Welcome back, everyone, to the second half of the conversation we had with Justin Chiavo, a space fanatic, Regeneron finalist, future MIT student, and residential rocket man. We love the feedback on the first half of the episode. It was really something special. But in this episode in particular, we talked about some of Justin's research, what it was like being a Regeneron finalist and competing with 40 other student scientists in DC only a few weeks ago, and how he was able to get off the deferral list of MIT. Justin has an inspiring story and spills a ton of wisdom in this episode, so be sure to listen all the way to get the full scoop. Now, without further ado, let's get into the rest of the conversation. change gears a little uh yeah. and let's talk about your research ah let's okay. talk about but more than just your research also what you've done to get to this point okay so um a little bit of context in yep. background um me and asher and joe are you in research i'm not in research not unfortunately in research. uh you dodged a bullet my friend <laughs> no but <laughs> yeah bit. it's it's not for everyone um me and asher are part of the research program in our school, which is basically a four-year program of learning how to either go on the internet and read scientific journal articles or papers, um, making your own hypotheses and doing your own experiments, and basically learning how to contribute to science, which is such a powerful thing. And I feel like at least intro should be a a requirement sure. in a way even though it's hard because like first of all most people do it anyway because like everyone in Roslyn has a huge ego yeah and wants to like like I kid you not like what is it like 50 freshmen go in freshman yeah. year and, and like a semester later it's like yeah. seven kids the next year from... a semester later half have dropped yeah I mean not even real, the next it's a, year it's a, a really hard class it's, and that's what I'm saying. It's not for everyone. Yeah. Science is not for everyone. It really isn't. If you don't have the capacity to say, I don't know, if you don't want to sit and fail over and over and over and over and over again, research is not for you because you will fail. Yeah. Again and again and again. And I did a lot. Like, and this is where I can actually start to talk about my research project. Let's do it. Yeah, absolutely. Um. So I wanted to find a way to make space travel more available to the general public. So I built a hybrid rocket engine from scratch, and I tested that engine with two different types of nozzles. Mm-hmm. Um, one is a traditional nozzle that most rockets use, and the other is an aerospec nozzle, which has never been flown in a like a flight-ready craft but I don't think it's ever been used on a hybrid rocket engine, which is quite interesting. Yeah. And like I developed, um, and let me tell you, yeah, when you think about like building your own rocket engine, it's hard. (laughs) It's very hard to start, especially when you have no knowledge of aerospace background. Yeah. And it's even harder when you don't have a mentor. Because here's the thing, I did not have a mentor. Like a lot of people, and it's required even. And this was the major roadblock that kept like stopping me 
from from proceeding ahead with my project over the years basically because my project requires me lighting off a rocket engine and working with explosives no scientists wanted to attach themselves to that because yeah liabilities yeah, yeah exactly obvious liabilities like if i was a scientist and some kid came up to me saying i want to build a rocket engine and i want your help i would say absolutely not yeah i don't blame them but it was a very big roadblock and i i'm lucky enough to have a to have a dad who likes mechanics and building like he's the type of person that could fix anything like he's very mechanical, he's very steadily minded, and he knows how to fix things. He knows how things work. Not because he went and got like a PhD in college or anything like that, but because he has so much years of experience. Like he started as a mechanic at 17 years old, and he now runs that company. Wow. Um, but basically, we built this thing together as almost a love project, and this this thing it was so. It, it's so crude. It didn't like it probably couldn't lift its own weight. It's like two newtons of thrust. Yeah. But just the fact that I like got thrust, I was like, Eureka. Mm. <laughs> and like it, I, I got something out of it. Like the, like I was able to work through my problems. I, I had two versions of it. One that the, one of the, the aerospike nozzle actually melted completely mm -hmm. i remember when you talked about this. it yeah. was it was really fun it was really cool but it was also very terrifying because after that thing melted this this was like one of the first things times in my life where i was like and excuse my language shit i have no idea what to do yeah i literally have no idea what to do and then actually fate stepped in because i went to georgia tech for a um um for a college tour which ended up becoming my my second choice, and I was actually preparing to, um, uh, to go commit there, there yeah. until you know. Um, <laughs> uh, but basically, I met a aerospace professor there, and I took a leap of faith, and I showed him the video. I showed him my project. I showed him everything. I basically showed him my passion. He gave me his number, said, "I don't have time to talk right now, but definitely call me. Your project does look really interesting." I don't know what the extent I can help, but maybe I could do something. And basically, he couldn't help at all. But he did give me one crucial, crucial sentence saying, you can't cool this thing down by just changing the shape of it. You have to add something called a regenerative cooling system, which basically means funneling liquid through it to carry some of the heat away, which, oddly enough has never been done on an aerospike. Hmm. Now it has. Yeah, and Justin did it. Very crude. It's with tap water. It kind of worked. It's still kind of melted, but it achieved the purpose of that I could create an engine that works better with an aerospike as opposed to a traditional nozzle, which is what NASA and SpaceX and everyone else uses. Yeah. And, like, it's it's on, like, that small scale that I proved it. I don't know that if you perfect it and scaled it up, it would work. But it was a concept, and and like I like to emphasize that I really didn't do anything new. I took two technologies that existed and compared them for like right? for like fifty years that have been like on and off and on and off. But I 
I somehow jumbled it together to create this this monster almost. And cool monster at that. Yeah. Like I think my project besides the fact that it's just cool that I built a rocket engine at this age, it's just an inspirational thing. Yeah. Like hey, like yeah, I can create these these awesome things on my own that's like you talked earlier about like pride yeah like when when do you like when do you have time to feel proud that's when i feel proud when like not when i make it into a competition not when i get into college well yeah obviously but (laughs) but like those little things of like those little steps forward that or even just one of those things where I fail and I learn something completely new. Yeah. That's what makes me proud and what keeps me going. Failure, if, if anyone's listened to multiple episodes of ours, failure is a reoccurring theme on our Constant. podcast. It's something that Joe is actually writing an essay about. I wrote an essay about oh, it. You already wrote it? Cool. Yeah. But if you don't fail, you're not learning anything. Absolutely. That's true. I, I heard Period. an analogy. I, I don't know if you're familiar with John Fish, but he's a YouTuber. Oh, yes. He said, yes. Yeah. Uh, he said something to the extent of life is like a video game. If you don't fail once, then it's not fun. Like in a video game, you have to mess up numerous times, times and times again. You it know has to I mean? frustrate you. It has to, it has to irritate you to a point where you you're have obsessed. to reroute, yeah. rethink your process. Because when you finally figure it out, you're ecstatic. <laughs> of course, yeah. I mean, I think Louis was talking about it as well. Like he was frustrated with lines code. of code, code and yeah. it, it infuriated him. He was going to like punch a wall or something like that. And then something clicked and he got it. And then and that's that, that pure feeling, joy, that feeling that you were internally motivated enough to make your own rocket engine, to make your own program is just tremendous. Honestly, before that, like the first time I ever like felt that joy of like failing like over and over and over and over and over and then finally getting it was um, if you remember the math research projects yes. that we used to do. Can you give a little bit of background Specifically the one um, I did in freshman year in Mr. Lee's class that I basically calculated how much change in velocity it would take to go from Cape Canaveral on the launch pad um, to the surface of the moon on the equator. Sure. And like I had to, I basically had to learn orbital mechanics from scratch. And I remember it really frustrating me. Mm. Like, and then like, I believe that, winter vacation of that year i just sat down for like four days straight like literally slept sorry literally slept got up calculated and tested things for like like four hours ate lunch tested things for four hours ate dinner maybe an hour of free time and then i went to sleep and i did that for like four days yeah and like at I, be, I think at like four days, I, I finally like I had the notebook and I was like, OK, I finally made it to like the the surface of the moon. And I could like go back, but it basically just be double that. But like that was the first time I was like, holy crap, I did it. I did it. And like I was that's honestly one of the, the one of my proudest moments when mm. I figured that out. And a lot of that interest came actually from a video game. Um, if you guys 
ever heard of this video game called Kerbal Space Program. Mm -hmm. It's this awesome video game. It's very cartoonish. It's very childish. But basically, it takes real rocket orbital mechanics and puts that puts you in a um, in a imaginary solar system with like a bunch of different planet names and everything like that. But the physics are still the same. And you build rockets and planes and rovers and bases and space stations. You learn how to dock. You learn how, you learn how to dock in orbit. You learn how to uh, do transfer maneuvers to different planets, to different moons. You know how to um, m manipulate your orbit to get from one place to the next. And you know how to land. Because it, it just becomes so intuitive that I was inspired by that to do it for real yeah like and that's why i like in physics i get kind of disappointed like why aren't we going into like orbital mechanics or anything like that because it's just baseline like 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 to to really like go into that that's a college course yeah i mean that's and that's, that's what you're going that's really to... that's really what i'm excited for college for good, that good. i get to like like i keep looking at the math textbook like we're finished with the curriculum, but we're only halfway through the textbook. Really, I didn't. I've we're, never even opened it. Like less than halfway. Wow. There's so much. We've barely scratched the surface of calculus, of multivariable. There's so many layers. There's so many. There's so this. It goes so deep. So deep that you you struggle to even comprehend it, and that's kind of like the elegant thing about math. There is an elegance to it. I remember Mr. Lee talking a lot about yeah, that. Yeah, and that's, all, that's, that's honestly like the first time I've really like loved math and calculating because of just how everything works out. Yeah. yeah. What happens when you get to a point where you don't know what's next? So when it comes to math, for example, or even physics, which are interwoven, they're connected to each other. What happens when you get to that point where there is no math? How do you create that? Like process. when you can't calculate anything, when you're, yeah. you're stuck. Yeah. You know, I've actually had a lot of problems with that, not just with like, with, um, with school, but also with friends. Like I was, I very much isolated myself for a lot of years mm. for some very, I can second that I did that yeah, as well for some very obvious reasons. Yeah. Sure. Um, but basically, yikes. Yeah. Uh, but basically like even like just this year, I've, made basically a commitment to open myself up to people to um to experience new things to do more things to not be scared of social interactions because i was very socially awkward for a very long time i still am i like i i, I really am sure but um basically when when i hit a wall i just walk away from it for a little bit I step back. I look at the big picture. I look at myself, really. I think that, and then I have to remind myself almost of why I'm doing this. Yeah, I think life really requires you to reflect sometimes. Which a lot of times in our generation, when you're a teenager, everything is so rush, rush, go, go. We don't really take time to take a step back and really analyze what we're doing. And One, not only that, but yeah. like the, when I was talking before about like my journey is never over, I just keep thinking like, okay, I, like I hit a wall and I look back and I think of like, look how far I've gone. How a shame it would be to just stop now. Yes. Let's keep going. Yes. 
I totally agree. One thing that I started implementing into my life is I do something called an AIG journal. I, I made it up myself, but it was also inspired by, by John Fish. Yeah, I do something very similar. Where every single day I write out my accomplishments for the day, what I can do to improve and my goals for the next day. And it allows me to reflect in, in a short term span of time, only a day, but it really got sparked during, and I've talked about it this a little bit before, once I came to, to the mid-year of my senior year, I, I was having a tough time. Like, I yeah, genuinely yeah. was just having a tough time. And I needed to start reflecting, and that's why when, when I talked about before where I'm, I got choked up when you were talking about that stuff is only because of reflection do I now feel proud of myself. There was a whole bunch of period, a whole t- period of time where – I just kept doing things because I thought I had to do them. I was just constantly stuck in the grind and I was grinding myself to a pulp. Like I didn't look healthy. My mind was not healthy. I didn't have relationships with others and it, and it put me in isolation. Let me tell you, if you, if you ask me like, are you okay? And like, even just October of this year, I would have said absolutely not. Yeah. Like October, like that beginning of senior year where like I was just starting to like finish my college applications that was very tough for me. Yeah. I don't know. I don't remember why it was so tough for me. It was just like all the pressure. And then I started thinking and then I like that. It was just a tough time. Mm. Like I put a lot of pressure on myself and I, I, I ground myself to a pulp. Yeah. And that, that, and I, I did one of those things where I had to step back. I analyzed myself and I'm just like, okay, you need to do better. You need to have more respect for yourself and you need to change this about your life. You need to change this about your life because not because it will make others happier, but because it will make you happier. What were some of those things, if you don't mind talking about them? Um, basically getting out more. Sure. Just getting out of the house. That's such a huge thing. Getting out of the house not staying in your room, either playing video games or doing work or watching a movie. And I do that a lot. I did that all weekend, like today. Sometimes you need that. Yeah, sometimes sometimes it's good for you. Yeah. It really is. Like, like after I got back from Regeneron, that's basically all I did because mm-hmm. I was so tired. I was so exhausted. It was a lot of fun, but yeah. I was exhausted, and I wanted some me time. But if you get cabin fever, you it's a natural human thing that you need to be with people. Yeah. You need to be with people. Like there's the, there's all that, that stuff that like, Oh, if you don't like give nurture a baby, but you still like give it the nutrients, the baby will still like die because it needs human interaction. It needs, we need other, we need each others. other. We need each other. Yeah. We can't afford to live without each other. Mm-hmm. And that's why people in isolation go absolutely crazy because they don't know what to do. Yeah. They don't know who to talk to. That's so true. And so do you think that, I know that we ask this question all the time about technology, but do you think that techno- technology is allowing people to connect more and quote unquote go out more? Or is it just people putting staying people in, in a perpetual cycle of staying in? Mm, yes and no. Because you, can, because you can stay in and still not feel alone. Like... Like a lot of Twitch streamers, all they do is stay at home and they do t- Twitch streams, but all their friends are on the internet. And in a weird way, they get their connection still. And to they other get people. their connection still to other people because they're still interacting. I'm talking about the things where they just in the room or watching movies alone, or or like playing video games alone. Like if they're playing video games with other people, that's great. 
Mm-hmm. They're making friends. They're they're interacting with each other, and hell, it ma- even makes it even more special when you guys meet in person, because it's such a big thing. Like you imagine talking to someone for years, and you finally meet in, meet them in person. That's such an emotional thing. Yeah, almost like how you feel so so connected to your camp friends because you don't see them a lot. You only see them for two months out of the year, and when you go back there, it's so magical to you because you don't get to. Mm-hmm. Whereas you can get that same effect by just hanging out with your friends every day. It really doesn't matter that much. And it really just depends on the person, on how well they use it. Like, I don't think a lot of people are using technology in the wrong way. Like, some people do. Sure. Like, if you want attention... Sure, that's what it was made for. Do it. Like, no no one's here to judge you. Just do it. But keep in mind that if you put yourself out there, you accept every risk of people saying stuff. Very true. It's a risk that some are walking into but not willing to take. It's but- funny because, like, so many people have a fear of public speaking, but they, they, they don't have a problem putting everything on the Internet. Yeah. yeah, that's so true. I see people in public, and I'm like, wait, you're so open it's on your like social media. It's getting around it. Yeah, I'm... It's really true. Yeah. One thing that I just want to add is you mentioned this question, and and by the time we've published this, you there will be an episode already published on this topic. Be. It's it's a little different. Ooh. We're calling it our our pod doc series, where we do podcast documentaries. Ooh. Um, and this is something that we submitted to an NPR student podcast. Contest. It'll be uploaded on Anchor and all of our other streaming yeah. and platforms. And it'll already be up, updated because we're publishing oh, it yeah, definitely. next week. We're currently recording on the 30th is this for of March. a class? Or? No, it's it's purely for our own joy. That's great. Yeah. Um, so we've mentioned this a few times, but I want to fully, fully delve in now. How did you get to a point where you have been recognized as basically the top, one of the top 40 scientists uh, as a senior, as being a Regeneron finalist? I still don't know. <laughs> I still don't know. Like, um, Can you give a bit of background as to what Regeneron is? So what Regeneron is, well, it used to be called the Westinghouse and the Intel as well. But basically, it is the oldest and most prestigious science competition for high school seniors in the country. It started in 1942 uh, through the Society in Science for the Public. It's their oldest competition. Um, It was managed by Westinghouse from 1942 to, I believe, 1998. And then from 1998 to 2016, Intel did it. And then recently, in 2016, Regeneron took over the sponsorship. Yeah. And... I'm so glad that Regeneron actually took it. Not because I, I have something against Intel or anything, but because um, the entire... First of all, the two founders are Regeneron STS alumni. That's cool. They are. Um, one was a finalist and one was a semifinalist. Um, and the um, also their entire board, like making decisions committee, are all scientists. Yeah, that's a really cool experience. And they basically told us that what I told you, really, that failure is the only path to success. Regeneron started as a dream of these two guys, Len Schleifer and George Giancampolis, 
the both as I said SDS alumni. They weren't the same year, um, but um, they were both really interested in making medicines that could change people's lives, and they didn't want to do it for profit. They wanted to do it right, and they wanted to make it really innovative of every product that they did. And because of that, they had no profits for the first 25 years of Regeneron's existence. Wow. That's and crazy. then recently, when they finally did perfect their first product and they really did start making a difference, they exploded into the worldview. Like they're they they like in the last five years, I believe they have like seven or eight FDA patented patented stuff, which Dang. is astronomical. Yeah, because that takes a long time too. Especially yeah, FDA regulations are massive. That's that's an astronomical number for one company. Yeah. That's insane. But, like, these scientists are really dedicated to their craft almost. And I and I really mean that. Because I, I, I was actually lucky enough to um, speak to George Jumpkopoulos on yeah. a, like, regular basis. He does call me Rocket Man. Wow. No oh, way. Wow. Yes. I love that. He does. And I showed him the video and everything like that. It was really fun. He was really fun guy to talk to. Good, good. But like he, like I, I, I told him about this. I told him about like how I think, like what my journey is, and like really, because he was there. He was an STS finalist, I believe, in 1970. And he remembers what it was like to be there and really experience that. Now, getting back to um, how I got mixed up in all of this. Yeah. I did not even think I would be picked as a scholar. Really? Because, like, yeah, my thing is inspiring and it's kind of cool, but I really didn't find anything new. Dude, if there, was, if there at, was anyone that I thought would get this, I was like, yo, Justin's it. You've always been passionate about this stuff. Really? And I, know, I, I had a feeling it would just show through. because and, and this is what I've always found, and this is a bit of a side this is what I've always found to be yeah. really, really good about the way that you present because you have to present at, at things like these because it was a competition mm -hmm. your passion comes through everything that you do and, and i'm sure people notice that even 100%, right now that hundred that you love what you do and you're one of the few people that i know and and we've been very glad to have people on who are passionate about the things that they do and they are and they, i think they speak so like you great. do that those are the people that are going to change the world yeah even if it's not me Honestly, you're you're already doing it. I mean, I mean, you already did your research that yeah. that was innovative. Think about it. Like, there was no monetary monetary incentive for you. Money, capital is not the incentive when you were four years old when you were climbing to the ceiling on top it of still books. Still isn't. You know, like, and like honestly, I could be working a minimum wage job, but still have the opportunity to build rockets, and I would be one hundred percent happy. Hmm. I think that's something people don't recognize, that money isn't everything. While, yes, it's important to get your baseline well, down. It helps. It, yeah, it does help. Like, like, obviously, like, if you don't have the opportunity to eat every day or have, clean, have access to clean water or a house, that is a problem. And you do need money, and that will make you happier. Yeah. But once you get to that point, it can only get you so far. Money can only get you so far in your happiness. It can provide you with a stability, but the rest is up to you. It's yep. a gateway. Yep. Yes, exactly. exactly. It's just a baseline. When we think about something like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it's just one of those baseline things that if you can get your ground covered, it's really about having connections with other people, finding what you're passionate about, 
There are stories of people who are custodians for their entire life, but they love it. And not not only They're do they not that. only do they get raises because of it, but some of them go on to, for example, work for the unions for custodians to make sure that they get better pay because they love what they do. And I think if more of us would focus on that, and it's and it's very difficult for for people who don't know what they're passionate about or who are trying to find it, it's it's almost like a huge burden. And in a way. And I don't know if you'd say this, but in a way, it's almost like you're lucky that you had that from the beginning, whereas other people don't have any direction, and it takes them until they're 40, 50 to realize, this is my life path, and I've and, and you've always known that. But and, that's okay. Like, yeah. you don't have to have your passion early. Like, you could accidentally find it as well. Like, I don't think any kid really – like, excuse me if this isn't true, but I don't think any kid really grows up saying, I want to be a custodian. I don't think any sure. kid really says that. But when you're older and you you kind of fall into it and you realize, hey, I like doing this. Yeah. This works for me. Yeah. I'm really happy. I want to keep doing this for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. That can happen accidentally mm-hmm. in something that you have no idea. For example, I, I love space travel. Honestly, if I go to college and I find something that I like better, Say I like, like say I like politics better yeah. or environmental better. I could just stop and that be like, "That would be hey, earth shattering, Justin." But yeah, that, that would be for all of this to you change. Think about. But <laughs> yeah, th- that but can it could. happen. Absolutely, that can happen. Yeah. I think that the thing that's really interesting, which you kind of alluded to, was the idea of taking it a step higher, taking it a step more than all the rest. And I think that people who are internally motivated, like you or our previous guest, like Louis they naturally take it one step higher. So if you're interested in science, if you're interested in space travel, immerse yourself into it more than the rest. And I feel like that's what, really, that's what really yeah. differentiates you from the rest of the crowd, that you are so passionate and so driven by your craft that you will do anything. And that's mm. why the craziest people are the smartest people. Of course. I mean, you like, talk about like Einstein. They're like, who's yeah, this guy? Yeah, he was a crazy dude. Yeah. He was a crazy dude. He was, really, he was a really weird dude. Same thing with Stephen Hawking, even. Mm-hmm. Like, even before the illness. Like, he was a weird dude. You have to All be a little bit. Were. You have to be. But can we, can we talk about the social pressure around this? Because Einstein, for example, I remember a story where when he lived in Germany, they thought that he was mentally ill and that he was dyslexic. Because he was and, curious. And, and they tried to force him out of school. And they tried to... to relegate him to to the own confines of just his mind so there there's a bit of a social pressure on when there are people who are larger than just themselves like Honestly, a we like an oppenheimer that, or something like that we could be doing that today by diagnosing people like add and adhd that's possible yeah like yeah that's that's a very real possibility like i i, I listened to an interview from uh from scott kelly the uh the man who and the american the first american who um who uh, spent a year in space a couple of years ago, he basically said that he was that kid. He was that anxious, very, like, he, he didn't even really do well in school. He really, like, started trying in college. Mm-hmm. And he found himself, as did his brother. His brother is an astronaut Are as these well. The, his the twin twins? brother. Yeah, yeah oh, his twin yeah. brother is an astronaut. And um, they both really found their passion 
a little later than you may think because you think like, oh, if you need to be an astronaut, you have to grow up loving it and you have to dedicate your entire life to it and you have to do everything to, impossible to be that person. You could just fall into it just like anything else. Yeah, It's not as foreign as you may think. And that's the inspiring thing is that um, it's like not not everybody can be an astronaut, but everybody can be. Hmm. Do you genuinely believe that? If they push themselves. Sure. Yeah. If they really in, are interested in it, then yeah. Obviously, if they're not, then what's the point? Weird question, but do you think society is on your side when it comes to pursuing your passion? Yes and no. Some Sometimes it will, and you have to take those moments, and those are called opportunities, basically. When society reaches out and they're like, like this Regeneron thing, that was a very big opportunity. And I tried my best to make it everything that I possibly could do with it. And in the end, I didn't win top 10, but I did get 40 amazing friends Mm. that I will probably cherish for the rest of my life. And these people are, think so differently, so amazingly different that it, it it's almost like falling in love of how like obviously not falling in love in that way but sure. but falling in love in a way that you, of an understanding a mutual understanding of not just your intelligence and their intelligence but the universe as a whole and i think that is the most powerful feeling ever Mm -hmm. and in terms of like those times that society pushes back that's when the universe tests you how obsessed are you are you doing this as a hobby or are you want to do this for the rest of your life and those are the hard moments that you have to buckle down and say no i'm gonna do this for the rest of my life or maybe you know what this isn't for me Mm. And it's hard to accept that, that sometimes failure is, is the end, right? I, I don't know if you've reached that point yet, though. Like, with, with space travel, I don't know if I'm going to ever go to space. Yeah. I might not. But I, I'll know that for sure, I'm sure, one day. But if I have the opportunity to, I'm going to take it. Mm. That's valid. I think it's I so chills, weird. There's like, there's, <laughs> I got yeah. chills. There's deja, there's so much deja vu, man. Like we were talking about, we, I remember it was Ivy Day and we were sitting around. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, yeah. <laughs> is that okay if I share the yeah, story? Go ahead. Yeah. Go so, um, yeah, we were sitting around Asher's computer. We we're like, Asher, you got this. You got this. And we opened in an order, which I think he, he organized beforehand. Yeah. And so we go through each school. The first one wasn't an Ivy. We're like, cool, got in. Second one, no. Third one, no. Fourth one, no. Until all the Ivies were just like, no. Yeah. And that feeling of rejection, that feeling of incompletion, that feeling of failure really resonated with Asher. And like what you said, it really tested him. It really was like, you know... Asher, we're going to see how strong you are, whatever you believe in, God, the universe. And then the next day. And then the next day, 
I mean, God gave him an opportunity. The universe gave him an opportunity. Yeah. And so it's so weird how the universe works in such weird ways, yet always ends up helping you out in the long run, putting you I mean, in the some, right place. For, for some people, it doesn't exactly do that. Some, in, in some sometimes way, it punches you in the gut. Yeah. Hard. Yeah. And, but, and, but that's honestly, sometimes necessary. That That is very necessary. I got that punch in the gut earlier this year in October when I said that I, had, I was having a very hard time. Yeah. That punched me in the gut. And I had to get back up and rebuild myself. Yeah. It's like it's like the only way to move forward is to tear the old world down almost. But not like the old world is in like tearing down society in a way in like a in like an eco terrorist threat kind of way. Sure. But like really just like how we perceive ourselves. And we have to have those self destructing moments every now and then to tear those things that can destroy you that can humanize you, that can take you back to reality and say, and give you a smackdown saying, uh-uh-uh, you're not invincible. Yeah. It's still a struggle. It always will be. Yeah. Keep going if you care. That's very, very, very true. And and I recognize now, it's funny because I actually wrote my, my Common App essay all about failure. And I only truly experienced failure after I submitted everything. Yeah. When when I started receiving rejections, which felt like a big thing, but like in the grand scheme of things, it's not really that big. Like there yeah, are people like, who go, don't go to college. I think and we've already well. Yeah. Once he got into the school which he's going to be attending next year, there's we no, kinda, there's no, it doesn't we, matter. We forgot about it. We're like, all right, <laughs> whatever happened happened Done. yesterday, yeah. and that was in the span of I don't know, thirty two hours. What, Justin, for you, and if it's okay talking about, go we can it. we yeah. can get rid of it if you don't want to. Um, what was it like also getting deferred from, from your dream school? Deferred? Well, first of all, like, um, when it came to MIT yeah, and I was deferred, I thought I was getting rejected. So that was actually quite, I remember you're the only kid that I know that, that was, was happy about quite it. Ha- I was very happy about that Yeah, because I realized something. If you didn't meet their academic standards, if you weren't smart enough, they would have just rejected you. Yeah. Because you were deferred, that means we really appreciate that you sent this in. And we want to give you the time of day of looking over it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Even if we're going to reject you in the end, it's just the way things are. Like, we want to give you the time of day. And I was lucky enough to be given the time of day. Yeah. And like I believe in that in that final like decision. I mean, I don't know how college decisions really work. But that final decision, it's really not about how what you've done, what grades you are what grades you've been doing, even your accomplishments. It's about what kind of person you yes. are. What what person are we bringing to this school? What personality is he going to is he or she going to contribute? Mm-hmm. And like that, and that's almost like a no hard feelings thing, because that's the stuff you really can't change about yourself. And if they don't want you because of that, then sucks for them. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. I'll go somewhere that does want me like that, the way yeah. that I am. Yeah. What do you think the changing factor was for you? 
to to change the admissions officers and be like, you know what, we deferred this kid, but he he really should be here. I don't think like when when kids are deferred, it's saying it's saying no, but maybe yes later. It's okay. more of saying we really like you and we want to give you and we want to give you more time to prove yourself. Sure. What what did you do to prove yourself? Well, obviously Regeneron. Okay. Like like I honestly don't think I would have gotten into MIT if I didn't have that Regeneron. Sure. Does that hurt you at all or Um cuz it's like one No, thing. because it was a it, I mean, you did do it yourself. Thing. It's a luck thing. I didn't even think I was getting in even after Regeneron because like that caliber level, I don't consider myself a genius. I really don't. And some people treat you like that. I, like, tr- being treated like it, it's it's interesting. Yeah. But it's almost a burden on you. I, I don't like... I agree I, I so really like freaking that. much. Oh, like my that. God. Having that, yeah, having that standard like, that you have to I, like live sometimes, up to. Like, and that's why I... I I, I I don't mind making very public mistakes, sure. like saying something really stupid in class or forgetting to do the homework or like it, because that humanizes me. Mm-hmm. I like being humanized. I like have being put in check because I know that if I get out of control, I could lose myself. Yeah, like that, and like honestly, sometimes like you gotta be like, yeah, I did awesome. Screw the haters let's go change the world and those moments are just meant to make you feel good but don't say that out loud yeah absolutely but there is a point where you have to you have to show what you've done like when it when it comes to to getting into schools you have to show what you've done you have to gloat about yourself in a little way and honestly that was my main problem when i was doing college admissions that was mine too i didn't want to say what i did that was mine too because i I wanted them to kind of like figure it out i didn't want to gloat i didn't want to you don't want to come off as some egotistic d-bag Exactly. Like that's that's just because not something like, you want to be. Here's the thing. I I just kept thinking when I was doing my 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 essays. Everyone's gonna say this. Everyone's gonna say that. Like there was this whole um, thing that I talked about with my college advisor. There's something called the running essay. Like oh you're running. Yeah. A lot of people run. Yeah. Yeah. And I do run cross country and everything like that. By the way. I, I still miss you on cross country from middle school, <laughs> dude. I still I still run now though, which oh, which man. is fun. I I had a very brief spurt of of a lot of running, which I'm sad I I dropped, but it, it had to be done. Um, but yeah, back the yeah. run the going running back, essay I've back. I've seen it before. Yeah, yeah. Basically, like I I did an essay about me running, but not because like how well it did for like my personal accomplishments, but like just the the environment of those people mm. that you're with. Like it gave you a community almost. That's the part that I really wanted to focus on because that's the part that no one really talks about. Yeah, it always seems to be some like isolating and honestly, experience. Honestly, that's the personal part of it. That's not something that you share on college admissions. But I did it anyway because I I I don't know. I don't know why I did that. Listen, it but worked. It was good. Yeah, yeah, somehow it worked. You got to be different in some way, and I think like, that's the key for all of us. And not only that, but like my essay was about my project my research project my passion that was my common app essay yeah and obviously mit doesn't take common app but i basically took some of that and i shifted it around took it in different places and everything like that georgetown had the same thing i had to do the same process but um that 
was basically my time to say, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Please take me seriously. Yeah. And um, yeah, that worked. <laughs> it did. And, and it comes through. That's the that same thing I'm saying. But don't beat yourself up over it if, yeah. if it doesn't. In, in, a, in a, an ego way, but it's not really egotistic. If they don't want you, you shouldn't want them at some point. That's true. Yeah, like, like, and that's that's why, like, but it does suck mm. to, like, not get in. Yeah, yeah. Obviously. And I don't know. You like, should fully experience those emotions, but yeah. this is something. This is something that deal I believe with them. now. Yeah, deal with them. Don't yeah. put them off. Take time. Deal with them, and then move Get on. It I, I and then proceed. Don't let it build up. Yeah. Like I, I, I remember. Like I, I'm a very. I used to be a kid who, really dwelled in his own failure. Yeah, that was a very pessimistic. Like whenever I never really focused on what good I was doing, I was always focusing on what bad I was doing, mm-hmm. and what. And how, uh, how much of a piece of shit I am of when I did this and then I did that and when I did this, but like recently I've been trying to turn that around. I haven't been dwelling in it as much. And my, my the most recent example of this was um, was at Regeneron, because like I spent a week with these amazing people and then they they announced the results like top ten that you gonna earn even more money, you do better. Uh, you don't have to pay for college as much. You know, it's a lot of benefits. And, like, I didn't get top 10. Yeah. And I wasn't bummed that I didn't get top 10, but all the people that were also doing, like, aerospace and planes, they got top 10. Mm. And the f- and one of them actually got and the first, first yeah. place, which I was like, that is so awesome. And I'm so proud that, like, my aerospace people are getting recognized. But I felt so left out. Yeah. Like, it was it was like like we, basically they announced it and i was like i was happy at the time i was clapping on stage and everything like that but after like 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 they started to come in and i started to speak to them and like i was like hey like congratulations you should be so proud of yourself and i started like giving my congratulations it just felt like a sinking feeling more mm. and like i was i didn't really start dreading in it but i did get like i noticed that from myself that I did get quieter like I wasn't speaking as much I didn't like put myself out there and and my roommate actually noticed this he was like Justin you all right and I was like yeah yeah I'm just a little bummed because all my aerospace people got it and I didn't and he was like yeah it's understandable but you still did a great job and I was like yeah I did but I was still kind of like bummed out yeah but I don't know what happens but basically we had um we have like a little finalist party at the end of the at the end of the week because we were all leaving the next morning anyway. It's like a little dance party and like like we're all nerds, so so like it none of us really, really like funny. danced. Yeah, like we were just kind of standing there at first. I don't know what happened, but I basically said, "Screw it, I'm fa- I'm gonna have fun." Good. And I just went on stage and I started dancing, going crazy. <laughs> I'm sure it was and hilarious. I pulled everyone else on it with me. And like, I just turned it off. Mm. And that was such a big moment for me that I was able to control my emotions of failure and say, yeah, you didn't get it, but look what you do have. Yeah. Look what you do have. And then two days later, yeah dude 
some crazy stuff happens and then you get into mindset. It really just that requires you I remember to... the 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 day that it happened and I and I looked that we you were, got in. We were at uh Lysef that day. Dude, I freaked the frick out when I was at home. You, you My parents idea. were they were I, like crying. That that's so that's so Because sweet, it's though. no one gets in. Do you know what I mean? And I, you were the one kid, man. I, the one kid that we expected context, who could do it. For those watching the context that um I did get accepted into MIT and that is the first time that someone from our school has gotten in in 12 years. Yeah, it's which it's, is it's ridiculous. Still mind-boggling yeah. to me. But like I was getting ready to commit to Georgia Tech that night. Yeah. <laughs> like and like we opened the application and I, I I remember being like apprehensive and I wanted to make like a big joke out of it. So and I I kind of did this with, like the first time with the deferral too. I was like, "Welcome to my college." Um, rejection party or something mm. like that and um like i opened the letter and it didn't say congratulations on the on the first line it was just like on behalf of the the something committee you're accepted into the like oh shit <laughs> <laughs> that must have been a huge moment and then within i would say within 15 minutes our whole school was blowing up my phone of course of course. The whole school. Of course. And it was so funny because even like the people who are like, who like don't like me. They still text you. <laughs> See, but does that hurt though? Knowing that once you have brand recognition, people are now, just now starting to hop on, I don't know, the Justin Schiavo, Rocketman bandwagon. Well, I mean, like, I think that kind of happened when I got Regeneron. Yeah, true. Because like, yeah, there have been Regeneron people in the past, but I don't this know. I think year. I just have a... I think I just have like a a personality to make. You have an endearing I, personality, I like to, dude. And I also think I, I'm in a unique position in our school that I'm not like – I'm a nerd, but not like a super, super, super nerd that like is so introverted that like they can't speak to people. And, sure. And they, they can't think of anything except for like their equations or anything like that. Like I think I, I'm kind of like – and I, I kind of like I don't have like a group of friends. I kind of like float around. That is I've, so I've true. Been I've been like that my whole life. And I think that's great because you get to experience like that's... different friend groups for different things. Like I have my track friends, my school friends. Like, like, like you have your general friends you, now yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> even like the the jocks in school. Like I see them. And they say I say hi to them in the hallway because why why wouldn't you say hi to them in the of hallway course. even if you're not really familiar with them? You still know them since since kindergarten. You might yep. as well say hi to them. And if they say hi back, great. If they don't. Well, whatever. <laughs> yeah, it hurts a little, but it'll it won't last. But very like, long. I was in this unique position that I kind of had a foot in every corner of the school, and when this happened, everything just erupted. Yeah, it's like it's like setting off a fuse in a bunch of that is connected to a bunch of different like barrel fires, like like gasoline barrels or something like that. Each one like successively, and like I kept. And when I finally announced that I like committed, I just had the sound of nukes going off across the distance. <laughs> so cool. Though. I feel you though. And I, I did kind of like an evil laugh of it, like ha 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 ha, something like that. <laughs> like, cause, cause, yeah, like, 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 I'm not gonna lie to you. High school's tough. Yeah. High school's tough, especially on your social life. And you have the opportunity to say, like, yeah. I like, did I did it. that, yeah. 
I feel it, you. It feels good. And you cherish it for the, the moment, the day, and then you move on with your life. You get into MIT to and then everyone had that moment. Yeah. <laughs> and then you get to MIT and you realize you're the dumbest person in class. That's like, humbling. That's going to happen. That's, that's, but that's, that's going to happen. That's I'm going to get my ass kicked. Are, are you excited for that, though? Yes, because I was told that everyone gets their ass kicked. Okay. Okay. So but it's cool. I think it's especially like I'm going to get my ass kicked. Because it's going to be tough. This mm-hmm. is going to... Because regardless, and I think this is the same for anyone that is going to college, it is going to be the hardest thing that you've ever done in your life. The hardest. You're living alone. You don't have support. Yes, your parents are paying for your tuition, or maybe even not. Yeah. But it's going to be very, very difficult to live on your own, to work on your own, to keep yourself motivated. Your mom isn't telling you to clean your room. You have to do it yourself or else you're going to look like a pig. And then you bring a girl into your room and she's going to be like, oh, that's gross and leaves you. Yeah. (laughs) Like you'll find out the hard way. Mm -hmm. And like those, even that stuff, as opposed to the fact that you're getting a college education which should not be understated in any way because it is hard no matter what mm-hmm. in any school because, like, all information is the same anyway. Yeah. Like, like gravity works if you're an MIT or Nassau Community College. It Absolutely. works the same way. Yeah. Um, but basically, yeah, it's going to be the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. It is just a new challenge. But it, it's it's scary, but it's also, like... Um, exciting that you're starting this new chap- chapter in your life. And honestly, like, I think this goes for everyone. I'm ready to hit that social reset button. Yes, of course. Dude, you I'm turn- so ready. Just switch up. You know, college gives you this unique opportunity where, especially since you're not with the same cohort that you've been with for the past 17, some, 18 some people, years. Some people but are. even if you are, you can restructure your life. Your past is in the past. If you want to change your life and turn into some ultra jock, massive, I don't know, meathead, you can. If you want to turn into a nerd, sit at home, you know, do whatever and just divulge or invest yourself in astrophysics, you can. You can. That's the beautiful part about university and just going into college. You can restructure your and life. And you can do it. Uh, however you want there's no wrong way to do it of course it might you might regret things from doing it in certain ways but there's no wrong way to do it yeah since we've talked about mit let's let's talk about your future two two parts to this though mm-hmm. one future projects you might work on or want to work on and two future profession um well we've kind of dabbled on pu- future profession yeah but um the in the near future I just see myself um, immersing myself in as much aerospace knowledge as I can. More of seeing where I can be useful. Because I kind of have a foot in the propulsion section of it. Mostly because I just like fire. Sure. <laughs> like, that's fun to me. That's really fun to me. Like, like just... Like that's a controlled explosion. You built a controlled explosion and it's loud and it's cool and it... And like when it goes off, it's the loudest thing within three miles, and it's majestic as it rises into the sky. I'm getting philosophical, <laughs> but um, basically, 
like, yeah, I probably want to go into propulsion thinking about it right now, but I don't want to say anything because I could like, oh, maybe I'll like spacecraft guidance systems better. Sure. Or maybe I'll be more aerodynamics. I'll think about, okay, the shape of like fairings and or maybe I'll be in the exp- um, the decoupler department where I'm like managing, okay, when I press this button, these explosive bolts are going to go off and it's going to stage and the spacecraft is going to split in half. Or maybe I'll do none of those things and I'll do design. Mm. Designing the mission even. Like, because they have people that just sit. They're given what the spacecraft can do or what they ne- it needs to do and they make a mission plan. Mm-hmm. And that takes months. And, or maybe I'll be in mission control. I could be anything. I just know I want to work on rockets. But I honestly do see myself working at SpaceX because um, I love what they're doing. And also, they're doing stuff a lot faster than NASA. And I want to be part of that. Yeah. I want to be building those BFRs. What's a BFR? The big. Falcon yeah. rocket. <laughs> That's the official name. I'm not even joking. Really? Yeah. That's really um cool. He's a clown. But like they now calling it spaceship and super heavy, which is better. Okay. But yeah. now it looks like the uh it's going to be made of stainless steel. So it's gonna look what? like really nineteen fifties. <laughs> oh my god. It's gonna look cool. It's gonna look yeah. really cool. But and there are specific reasons for using stainless steel, which I'll get in like is like totally just cool material science that's another thing they don't teach us anything about material science they don't teach us a lot of things about in high school they teach us like very very basic Basic. things but not even the basic things we need yeah that's true right like doing taxes figuring out how to make your own food i asked my teacher about that like like i asked my english teacher about that about like why don't they teach us how to do taxes in school and they're like and she's like well basically like really just accountants really do that and you just pay someone to do it for you. But not everyone can afford yeah, that. Not yeah, not everyone can afford That's, that. Know, it comes from a I point of privilege. I would still want to know how to do it. Absolutely. That's something that we're learning actually right now because we, when Can we filed come? for, no, uh, so Joey and I create, this is a company. We're an now. LLC. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. What we're doing right now, we've filed for incorporation with New York State. Ooh. Um, and we have to file taxes biennially, so every two years. And I've been trying to figure out tax law uh, or just like taxes in general. And they're so confusing. Have fun. They're so confusing. <laughs> but guess what? It's a learning experience. Yeah. You know? And and I'll probably fail and screw something up, but we'll both fail, dude. Well they'll they'll scream at you. They'll scream at you and yeah. you'll do uh, it. But right I just don't want time. I don't want a huge penalty. <laughs> the IRS will be like, What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. What do you mean you checked uh I don't even know what to say. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. How so how do you get to to work for spacex you don't want to well, make your own spacex you want to i thought about well no that's no? hard okay. that's okay. very hard yeah to yeah, do. yeah like i'm a creative guy i'm a creative thinker i'm nowhere near the level of creativity of as someone like elon musk or jeff bezos or at the people at nasa those people sure. are in there those people are certifiably insane some <laughs> some people want to run the world with their businesses and other people want to yeah. want to follow them i mission. just want to contribute to it sure and like um and i can get to this later but i want to be a leader in also like science um advocation and i'll get to that later but basically um uh there are spacex internships for college students cool and 
um, after my first year at MIT, I'm going to start applying, and I will apply every year until I get one. <laughs> but that's how it works. Even if you fail, you're going to go back. I remember... Or I'll do a NASA internship. Yes. Because, and, like, I, kept, I tried to do that in, like, high school, but they don't take you because mm. they always take graduate and undergraduate first for obvious reasons. Crazy, crazy memory. Um, we went down to, to NASA. We went down to Cape Canaveral, right? That's what it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A few years and ago. And a really long time ago. Um, and I remember my mom tells me this now, especially when you got into MIT. Yeah. She's, oh she started God. tearing up because she said, when we went to NASA, we made sure to buy Justin a T-shirt to give it to him as a present. And I, I remember, I remember I so. giving you that. <gasps> and I do remember that. And Thank that, you. <laughs> no problem. That's amazing. But just, just to, just to, just to hear that. that you're still on that wave, that, that really you, I mean, in a good way, you haven't grown up. A lot of people grow out of their ambitions, but you've grown into it. And it's a totally flip on its head, which is is just amazing. But um, in some ways, it's really weird. Like I'm a weird kid. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, I'm we're weird all kid. weird in our own ways. I think people try and make themselves to be super perfect, but no one's perfect. Uh, that's that, that's just waste of time. Yeah, just a waste True. of time. You just try and make yourself better. That's all you can ever do. But like, perfect is just we're human. Stupid. We're meant to be imperfect. Yeah. Why are you trying to be something that you're not? Of course. Very true. Last two questions. These are these are a little rapid fire. Of course. Go first. It. Who do you want to meet? Who is the like the one person if you could select right now that you want to meet? I think we already know that Elon. Elon Musk. Yeah. What a Elon. Man. Elon. Maybe we'll have him on the podcast. Maybe we'll be like Joe Rogan. Maybe we'll blow up and then please, we'll please please invite me back. We'll do. If we'll have a live do. audience. Are you kidding? If you do. If if we get that. <laughs> okay. Um, so Elon Musk. That was yeah. that was a non-starter. Uh, yeah. And um. Also, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Oh, I, would yeah, love, I to love Neil deGrasse. Because he makes him. he makes it simple. Like he brings it More he brings it home. And if we're talking alive or dead, yeah, Isaac Newton. Really, Isaac Newton. I think he would be very interested to see what we are doing now. True, true. Okay, so second thing, and this this might require more explanation. What yeah. is the craziest thing that you have learned about the universe thus far? Ooh. It could be scary. Ooh, it could be ooh, ooh, ooh. interesting. I don't know. Hold on. I got to think about this. I think I know. And it's kind of uh, an obvious thing as we've come to understand it. But it's such a, a, a deep understanding of where our place in the universe is and how we perceive ourselves and what our purpose is. Because, and I'm going to say it to this now, the, the craziest thing and the most astounding thing that I've learned about the universe is that we are made of star stuff. Mm. Every element in our body, every, every atom, molecule, um, every electron, neutron, proton, gluon, quark, everything was created inside stars mm. in the centers of nuclear furnaces that are thought to be only possible in our set of laws of physics. And if you think about it, and we think about our journey of the universe, there are so many things that had to happen 
for us to exist. The first thing is that the Big Bang, there needed to be an imbalance between matter and antimatter. Yeah. We were lucky enough to have that indifference, and so we have matter in the universe. Maybe we're antimatter and it's the opposite, but we just call it the other way around because we're biased. Sure. Um, and then we have the fact that, okay, as the universe expanded, if the universe was perfectly even and it was perfectly diluted, nothing would happen because there are irregular spots in it. Things clumped together and by gravity created the planets, stars, us. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, we needed to um, have all the ingredients for life to start on Earth or in the solar system at least to come together on this one little planet in floating in the middle of nothingness and then for some process of either chemical soup or maybe it came from another solar system or something like that that started life and then the natural progression of that for us to get here. That's so astounding. And like when we think of the universe and we think of um, how big it is and how small we are in the great context of it, because if you really think about it, it's kind of a joke how little we have access to in the universe. With our current technology, we could only reach... um, the edge of the local group that's all the gravitationally bounded stuff the rest are lost to us forever because if we try to leave the local group our gravitationally bounded structure it would take so long that the um the natural um expansion of the universe we would never reach anything else Mm. so there's like 99.9999999 percent of the universe that's not available to us and that's kind of a joke (laughs) because like oh yeah See all this stuff? It means you can't nothing. go near it. Yeah. <laughs> Unless we figure out like warp drive or wormholes or something like that, which think, I think. Do you think that's possible? I think so. It's fun to think about. Mm. Um, but basically, when we think about that and we think about how little we are, I feel big because the universe itself, we, like, we, we are the universe perceiving itself. And it's kind of trippy in a way. Because you think you're you, but you're really just a complex um, system of atoms and molecules and laws of physics that work together to create your thought or your body or your digestive system or your nervous system or your or any other bodily function that creates you. It's just a result of the laws of physics of the universe. And if imagine how much would change if you change one of those laws? Yeah. You, I mean, you don't really think about it. What if the speed of light was just a little bit faster? What would that do? What would that do? Yeah. It might break everything. Yeah. Who knows? And, and, and it's almost like our universe is incredibly flat, fragile if we were to just change one thing. Well, we never know. There might be a multiverse with many universes out there with different yeah. speeds of light, different ways of perceiving gravity. Maybe gravity is stronger in another universe. Maybe the speed of light is slower in another universe yeah maybe there is no such thing as gravity in another universe maybe there's no such thing as gravity possibilities the possibilities are endless Mm -hmm. and that's the cool thing that we are able to perceive that and that's why i think humans are incredible 
Mm-hmm. And that's why I think we should be proud of ourselves in a way that we can comprehend those things. We can do great things every day to each other, to this planet, and to the future. Yeah. That was awesome, dude. Damn. Episode 007. With last, our... last note, Justin, where can the people find you if they want to find you? Ah, okay. So basically my handle for everything is just space, as in the word space, J-U-S-T-S-P-A-C-E-103. You can find that on Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, but I never use it. And uh, Facebook's just your name, right? Even YouTube, you can check. Me, you can look me up on YouTube. The videos really? of my rockets are oh, on YouTube. Cool. As well as um, there, there are video. There is a video that I did make for Regeneron. It's uh, about five minutes long, and Regeneron did post it on Facebook. That's awesome. So if you want to check that out, and I did post it on my feed as well. So we'll, if you want to we'll see link a, it as well. if you want to see a really quirky video of me that I made in a single night and edited in kind of like a Mark Roper style <laughs> with my head cut out on top. <laughs> um, you can go see that. Cool. I won't stop you. And you guys can either laugh at me or you can revel in my genius. I don't cool. know. We'll link everything <laughs> below. Justin, thank you so much for coming on. It's thank been you a pleasure. for inviting me. Episode um, 007. As always, the DWD podcast. You can find all of our handles down below in the link in the description as well as Justin's handles, because I know you guys really want to see his crazy rocket. I'm going to go and look at that right after the podcast. <laughs> and but as, as always, as, fly safe. Oh, fly safe. As always. And the, stay stellar. I don't know. One of those. <laughs> All right. We'll end it off at fly safe. All right. No, as always, the DWD podcast, fly safe. Peace. Peace. Hey, Joe, hey, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> He's like,